Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners. With more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Well, where were we when we last spoke? This is Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network. I'm Curtis Rogers. Appreciate you stopping by here on this Wednesday evening. And when we last met, the Mariners were coming off a brutal 3-8 homestand, losing 4-5 of to the Angels. They sat at 29-39, and a season worst, 10 games below 500. And here we are, a couple weeks later, July 6th, And the Mariners had one of two paths they could have taken. They could have continued down that road and and made it easy on themselves and and told everybody that, yeah, we're sellers, this is not our year. 29-39, and look, it would have been easy to explain because that is not a start you want to get off to. But ever since then, they have been very resilient. They have shown a fire inside of them that, I don't know if we knew existed, at least in the first couple months of the season. Here we are, July 6th, just a couple weeks away from the MLB All-Star break, and the Mariners are just one game back of 500, a spot they have not been in since early May, since they were 12-13 and 13 on the season. They're 41-42, and 42, only three and a half back of the wild card entering tonight's show here on Seattle Sports Station, entering tonight's edition of Mariners Extra Innings. And, you know, we only come your way whenever the Mariners have an off day during the season. And you know what? I got to be honest with how they're playing, kind of bummed to be on the air tonight because you want them to play every day. You want them to continue this momentum, and you want them to continue playing at this clip night in and night out. You worry that a night off is going to kind of throw off this momentum, throw off this mojo that they've been riding with over the last couple weeks. And and there may be a couple points along this last two-week stretch that you can point to and say, yes, that is where the Mariners turned their tide. That is where they found it within themselves to be the team that we're seeing over the last couple weeks. And they're doing it without some of their biggest contributors, obviously, Ty France. He got that injury against the Oakland A's. That was In that game alone, they didn't get a hit until the eighth inning. You lose Ty France, you're wondering, A, are the Mariners going to get no hit? Or B, is Ty France going to miss significant time? And now we, we still don't have word yet on when France is going to officially return to the lineup. It is good to see him around the team. And obviously he is going to be in the dugout this homestand against the Blue Jays. But that was a game in which it, it looked like all hope was lost for the Mariners. They were down one to nothing deep into that one. And then all of a sudden, Things started going their way. They got a couple of base hits. They chased Frankie Montas. And then in the ninth inning, they managed to get two runs without swinging the bat. Uh, a very impressive effort in, in in its own right. But there have been other instances during this stretch where you can point to and say, yes, that is why they are where they're at. Obviously, the brawl against the Angels. We all remember watching that. We It, it, it still reverberates to this day, even though we're, what, about eight or nine days removed from that you've had J.P. Crawford already serve his four-game suspension and the Mariners during those four games Crawford was out of lineup they still managed to go three and one against the A's now Jesse Winker is in the throes of his six-game suspension we still don't know how long Julio is going to miss time for but that brawl itself 
I think may have shown that this team was a much tighter unit, a much more cohesive unit than some of us had thought. I, I, certainly myself. I didn't know that they were going to have their back the way they did. And not just have their back in that moment, but ever since then. We've seen a, a lot of you know back and forth between the Angels and, and the Mariners, and this team is very much on the same page. And, and even in the absences of Crawford and Winker, the Mariners still have found a way to win. In those, what, six games that combined they've missed so far, the Mariners are 5-1. and one. They went 3-1 and one against the A's. They went 2-0 and oh against the Padres. A really good Padres team, by the way, down in San Diego. But those are, are, are specific moments. But there are specific guys that have led the way, that have led the charge to the climb back to 500. And it starts with number 44 out in center field. It starts with the guy who has taken the baseball world by storm over the last couple of weeks. It's it's Julio Rodriguez, and this is his team. This is his show. He's 21 years old. It's the J-Rod show, night in and night out. And he started to reach that pantheon of player that you stop whatever it is you're doing to watch his at-bats. You stop whatever it is you're doing to watch him go out and, and run a fly ball down in center field. And very rarely have we seen that kind of player here in Seattle. And, yeah, there have been the obvious names, Alex Rodriguez, King Griffey Jr., to name probably the two most uh, hyped prospects in, in franchise history. But Felix Hernandez is another where you stop what you were doing. But to me, when it comes to, to prospects, there's a difference between a, a hyped pitcher and a, and a hyped position player. You see the pitcher every fifth day. You get excited for that start. But in the days between there is a little bit of a lull. Whereas a position player is going to play every day. They're going to get their four to five at-bats a game. And it just feels different with Julio. It feels like this guy has that magnetism that you want out of a super-duper star player. And, and the way he has played ever since the start of the month of May, when he hit his first home run, and he's got, what, 14 on the season now. He's leading the team in home runs. It just feels like every single day there is a new highlight that has added to his already impressive, impressive reel, including a couple we've seen over the last couple of games, the leadoff home run against the A's. Julio Rodriguez, the leadoff, the bottom of the first, the pitch, swung on it, belted deep to left field, line drive, goodbye baseball! Off the hand, operated scoreboard, Julio Rodriguez ambushes the first pitch of the game from Frankie Moore. And hits a rocket out to left field. His 14th home run of the season. Holy smokes, and just like that, the Mariners take a very quick one to nothing lead. That was all the Mariners needed that day. And how about the very next game? Julio not just hitting a home run, but going where very few have, and that's the upper tank at Petco Park. The stretch and the pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field, going to the Western Metal Supply Company. Goodbye baseball upper deck. The top terrace in left field down the line. Holy smokes, the kid did it again. Julio Rodriguez with his 15th home run of the season. They have three patio terraces in front of that brick building, that beautiful brown brick building in left field, the corner here at Petco Park. And Julio Rodriguez hits it way up top. A two-run home run, and the Mariners now lead the Padres 4 to nothing. This kid is amazing.
I think of all the highlights that Julio has had this year, that home run on 4th of July sticks out to me as the one I will remember the most, at least to this point. I remember making dinner with my wife, and, and I was getting something out from a cupboard, and, and I had to step away for just a couple seconds, and then I think I let out uh, something to the point, like, oh, my God. And then my wife's like, what 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 happened? And I was like, oh, Julio just sent one to Mars. Like, that one wasn't even close to being caught. That one, uh, he I was stunned that it didn't get to the roof of the Western Metal Supply Company. But still, I mean, third deck, 429 feet. It was just absurd to see that kind of power out of him. And it, none of his home runs are cheap, by the way. Every single ball that goes over the fence is well struck. And he's just a, a complete and utter marvel to watch with the bat in his hands. And it's not just the bat. It's it's the glove, too. Pitch to Voigt. He swings and slugs this to center. Julio went back, now comes charging in, charging in, full extension dive. He slides. Does he make the catch? He makes the catch in center field. Julio with a sliding catch to take a hit away. A sprawling dive at it, and Julio records out number two. Now, it has been the Julio show in every facet for the last couple weeks. It's really been the Julio show every single day since about May 1st when he turned it on and and just became this level of superstar that we haven't seen for quite some time in a Mariners uniform. But it hasn't been just him. It's been the starting pitching. It's been guys in that rotation, too, that have helped carry the way, and none more so than the guy that they gave the big contract to this past offseason, Robbie Ray, who has been dealing in in a way that I think has exceeded what everybody thought of him and exceeded his Cy Young pace of a year ago. Remember, his ERA was up near five at one point, and ever since then it has just dropped dramatically. His ERA is now 3.67, and it was aided out in large part by this 12-strikeout performance on Sunday. Here's the payoff. Swing and a miss, strike three. Goes up in the attic with the fastball, and he blows it past Chad Pender. A dozen punch-outs today for Robbie Ray. It has been a master class from the left-hander. And I think the one thing that has helped the Mariners over the last 15 games play the way they have is that their superstar players, the players capable of carrying the biggest load, have done that. Julio has played like a superstar. Robbie Ray has pitched like a former Cy Young Award winner, like the reigning Cy Young Award winner. Logan Gilbert has been his normal dominant self. Yeah, he had a, a, a tougher start yesterday, but he managed to still get through five and a third innings. He's got ten wins on the season. He's going to the All-Star game. I mean, that's just me speaking it into existence. There hasn't been any sort of confirmation on that yet, but the guys who have been capable of carrying the load at, at points in their careers or, or the expectation is that of them, they're doing that right now. And the Mariners are reaping those benefits right now. And, and they're getting great contributions as well from other guys in the lineup, guys like Dylan Moore, guys like Sam Haggerty, guys who are not necessarily expected to play to that kind of level. Now, the Mariners have a huge test this weekend against a really good Toronto Blue Jays team. And you're still a game below 500, and you cannot let this 15-game stretch be the high point of your season. It's got to be the starting point to something bigger. 
And that's what the Mariners need to do this weekend against this Toronto Blue Jays team in order to pay off what we have seen from them ever since turning it around from 29 and 39. I mean, look, they're not 500 yet, but to get to 500, to exceed 500, that is what they need to do this weekend. And they've got a great opportunity against a Blue Jays team that's going to have some question marks in that starting rotation. Hopefully the Mariners can take advantage of. We have got so much in store for you tonight here on Extra Innings. Really appreciate you. We are going to be on from now until 9 p.m. We're going to take a listen to what Jeff Passan had to say earlier today on Seattle Sports Station, what Jason Stark had to say, two of the most prominent baseball insiders in the game. They have each visited with Seattle Sports over the last couple days. We'll take a listen to what they had to say about the Mariners. Also, we will get into a conversation about the Blue Jays, the Mariners' next opponent with Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic. So much to get to tonight. What better way to start it all off than bringing in one of our favorites, your favorite, my favorite, Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. He joins me next. This is Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, he is one of my favorites. He's a show favorite. It's Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com, one of the best baseball minds I like to pick the brain of uh, every single time we've got one of these extra inning shows coming your way. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me. How has it been going, man? Yeah, no, do, doing real great, C-Roch. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff on the Mariners' front these last few weeks, and uh, hopefully they can keep it going here heading into the All-Star break. Absolutely. I mean, they've won 12 of 15, four in a row. They've got a huge four-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, which starts tomorrow at T-Mobile Park. I, I mean, it, it may be tough to answer, but when you look at this run over the last two weeks, uh, ever since they were, what, 29 and 39, they're, they've now climbed their way out of that hole. What to you has been the biggest reason for the turnaround we've seen? Yeah, I would I would point specifically to two things, and the the first I would say is the the pitching has just been phenomenal, really the last month or so. Uh, the starting rotation specifically, I mean, when you're getting six innings or so from Chris Flexen and he's given up two or three runs basically every single time out, and that's arguably kind of like the worst spot in your rotation right now. You got to be feeling pretty good about that, and. Robbie Ray's pitched like the guy that you were kind of expecting when you paid him over $100 million to come. I mean, last five starts, sub one ERA, uh, he's striking out like 10 plus per nine or something like that. I mean, it's it's been really fun to see. Gilbert, has, and what's interesting with that run is Gilbert's kind of taken a little bit of a step back. He's not missing as many bats. He's getting hit a little bit more, but he's still really doing a good job and keeping them in games. Uh, and so the starting rotation would be the first thing I'd point to. And then just two young hitters, Julio and Cal Raleigh, have really, really stepped up for this team. We knew that Julio had the big power from his time in the minors and reading all the scouting reports and everything like that. But it's really come along these last two or three weeks. We're seeing him hit the ball out of the ballpark at a big clip. And Cal Raleigh, I, I don't think people realize just how good of a month June he had where he actually OPS higher than Julio. And Julio has been phenomenal this last month plus. So, those would kind of be the two things that I'd look at as far as this team really kind of getting going. And it's and on the offensive front, it's interesting because you had JP miss a few games. Right now you're in the middle of Winker's suspension, and you still have Hanniger and Ty France and Kyle Lewis out. So seeing Julio and Cal kind of uh, carry the torch for a little bit has got to be really exciting for the Mariners. I like that you brought up Cal Raleigh because I think 
among the big producers in the Mariners lineup and also in their rotation, he kind of gets overlooked simply because he, you know, he doesn't have that flashy personality of, of a Julio. He doesn't have the big contract of a Robbie Ray, somebody who's you know won a bunch of awards in this game. But Cal was one of the top prospects in the Mariners' farm system for the last couple of years, and a switch hitting catcher. I think the start to his season, everybody kind of reset their expectations for him, but now not only has he exceeded the original expectations for him, but he's playing at a level that you know we really haven't seen behind the dish here in Seattle since the best days of Mike Zanino. I mean, for a 25-year-old catcher, Brandon, I mean, what he has been able to do this year, uh, I, I just I have a hard time finding the words to describe how important he has been to uh, everything that has just gone right for the Mariners over the last month. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that in terms of just offensive production, catchers one of those spots that just takes longer than every other position just because of the amount of work that they have to put in with their pitchers. I mean, uh, Cal just, he, obviously when you're catching basically every single day like he is right now, I mean, so much of his time, rather than taking hacks in the cage, he's, he's working with his starting pitchers. He's talking to his bullpen. He's going over scouting reports. So it took a little bit for him to get going in that sense. But the, the pitching run has been a big part, I think, because of Cal Raleigh. You hear a lot of these pitchers give him a ton of credit. Obviously, Logan Gilbert's one of his best friends, their roommates, and you hear Logan talk about Cal and just the kind of job he does behind the plate. And, and what's interesting, Siraj, with, with Cal's kind of emergence as, as a not just a great hitter, but just kind of as a leader on this team, being the, that, that captain on the defense like a catcher has to be, it kind of came out of necessity because, like you mentioned, the really slow start, he, he ended up getting sent down to Tacoma, and he didn't get called back up because he was setting the world on fire in that little span that he was down in Tacoma. It was that Tom Murphy got hurt, and, and Cal needed to come up, and he needed to play, and he played a lot, and Luis Torrens wasn't really producing. So Cal kind of took it and ran with it at a time that they really needed him, both defensively and at the plate. So it, it's awesome to see. I mean, that production since really the start of June, even kind of late May, uh, he, he's been among the best catchers in baseball, both behind the plate and at the plate as a hitter. And uh, when you're getting production from a guy like that, switch hitter with Pop, who's doing a pretty good job controlling the zone while also just doing a really good job with his pitchers, that's a, that's a huge, huge plus for this team. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me here on Extra Innings. And Brandon, another key to this turnaround, you touched on him a little earlier in the segment, but Robbie Ray, just how phenomenal he has been over the last five starts, not just pitching to the expectations of a, of a Cy Young Award winner, but maybe even better than what a lot of people had anticipated for him. Obviously got off to the really slow start this season, but now he has been everything that the Mariners could have wanted for him. I, I kind of go back and forth between which which starting pitcher right now do I have more confidence in, him or Logan Gilbert? And it just kind of varies from start to start because they both have been so spectacular at times, uh, especially over yeah. the last month. I mean, when you look at those two guys and, and how great they have been this year, uh, I mean, where do you put that duo right now in terms of, of best one-two punches uh, in, in the American League or, or maybe even baseball? Yeah, no, it, it's way up there, especially just with the kind of run that Robbie's been on and Logan's just been so good from the start of the season to now. I mean, Robbie Ray, since the beginning of June, I think he has like a really low two ERA. I think it's like a 206 or something like that. And he's just been so lights out and adding that two seamer just to give hitters that little extra thing to look for. It's really been, been effective for him. It's really allowed him to limit hard contact, which even when he was at his best last year, something that he struggled with. I mean, uh, th this could be obviously looking way ahead, and they've got a lot of work to do in this sense. But, I mean, if this is a Mariners team, Curtis, that is able to end the drought and sneak into the postseason and 
you have a healthy one-two punch of Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert going up in the first two games of a of potentially a five-game series if they're able to get through a wild card round, or if you use one of those guys in that wild card game. I mean, I I don't think that any team would be wanting to face off with those two guys, and then you got kind of your choice of the three with Marco and Chris Flexen and George Kirby. So, yeah, that's a it's a really really good thing that they have going at the top of the rotation. I think that everybody else with Marco and Flexen and Kirby are just kind of building off of that as well, and they're trying to match them out. And for the most part, over this last month plus, they've been able to do that. Now, Brandon, this may be tough to do because he has just been so incredible, uh, really since the start of May. Julio Rodriguez obviously is is he's the franchise. He's the he's the show. He is what everybody is tuning in for. I mean, just how how have you or or can you even quantify what you're seeing from him night in and night out? Because it feels like every single game there is a a new highlight of his. There is just something that we have to talk about every single day on Seattle Sports Station. Like Julio, watch. You know what did he do last <laughs> night? Because even in their law or even in their uh, win on on what was it Tuesday, he only went two for five. A quiet day, quiet day, hitting two for five. Right. But he had that incredible sliding catch in center field. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it, it's funny, Curtis, because you you think about just how a mix of unlucky and him just trying to kind of get his footing in April. I mean, he didn't really do a whole lot at the plate uh, during that first month, getting getting hosed on some strike three calls, but then just comes into May and it's just taken off since then. Even with that just slow three-week stretch, that slow build before he was kind of able to get his footing at the big league level, he's still, I think he's the, the top three outfielder in baseball in terms of war he's tied with Aaron Judge who a lot of people think is the front runner for MVP right now in terms of wins above replacement and that's with Julio really not doing a whole lot at the plate for about a month which is which is pretty remarkable to consider uh, just how good he's been since the beginning of May the the power's been there and we were seeing it in bunches uh, he's still just got a great hit tool I mean I think he's hitting almost 300 since the beginning of May he might be even a little above that right now uh, great plays in the outfield. He's taking good routes. Uh, people know that he's got the big arm. He's not really getting tests in that sense, and he's still trying to just get on first base and and swipe a bag or two. I mean, he's a he's a complete five tool guy. And uh, if you look at some of the advanced metrics too, I think this will be something that might raise a few eyebrows. Is there's only two players in all of MLB that have a 90th plus percentile rate in sprint speed and hard hit rate. One of them is Julio Rodriguez, and the other is Mike Trout. <laughs> if you're in if you're in solo company with Mike Trout, you got to be feeling pretty good about what you're doing. And then you realize, oh gosh, this guy doesn't turn 22 until the end of December. I mean, we're seeing so many young guys. We see it with Kelnick. It took Raleigh a little bit. We're seeing a ton of young prospects, top prospects, come into the game and really struggle to get their footing at the big league level. I mean, it took Julio three weeks. It's taken a lot of guys a few years to really get that footing. It's it's really special what he's been able to do. Yeah, every day you just kind of marvel at what this kid is capable of, and every day he seems to deliver, and it's just been incredible to watch over the last couple months here as Julio Rodriguez has asserted himself as one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Uh, Brandon, one last thing before I go, I, I mean, the, or before we go, Andres Munoz in that bullpen, specifically Munoz, who – has had his ups and downs in his first full season in the bigs, but as of late has been absolutely locked down. Uh, I think he's got, what, 22 strikeouts over his last 10 innings pitched. Uh, I mean, what have you seen from him that has, has turned him into the guy I think the Mariners felt very comfortable in giving that extension to? Yeah, the the big thing with him at the beginning of the year and kind of into May was he has the great fastball. We've all seen that. We've seen light-up radar guns basically every single time he takes the ball. But 
the command of that pitch just was not there. He was getting absolutely shelled on the fastball. The guys were kind of just – they were looking for the heater, and they were doing a lot of damage to it. The slider's a great pitch for him. Uh, he, You know, he, it gets hit every now and then, but not a ton. But guys were real. I think at one point they were hitting over 500 off the fastball. <laughs> they are slugging over 1,000 or, or close to 1,000. It was ridiculous. So – what, what he's been able to do of late, uh, the fastball command has been stellar. He's pitching it up in the zone a lot better. He's living on the corners. He's been able to stay out of the plate. He's throwing the slider a little bit firmer, and he's still getting some really good sweep at, sweeping action. And he's just throwing a lot of strikes, too, and they're quality strikes, Curtis, because when when you have a guy like that, a bullpen arm who's just so high-octane, just, just big stuff, the, the big worry is always going to be command, and that was always the thing with Munoz. It's like, yeah, the stuff there is excellent. There's so much to work with. It's just a matter if he can have at least average command or close to it. And over his last uh, nine nine games, which is the, the ten, 10 appearances ago was his last earned run over his last nine games, struck out 23. He's only walked three. So he's he's staying in the strike zone. He, he's competing, and they're just not hitting it. And it's it's been really fun to see when you have a guy that, has that kind of stuff, and he's such a contrast between the the two other top relievers in that bullpen right now with uh, with uh, Penn Murphy and Paul Seawald, and you mix Castillo in there. He's just a different look, a different velocity, and uh, it's it's been really cool to see him kind of develop. And if he's able to get hot too, I mean, you're having three, four legitimate late inning options for this team with Ken Giles kind of trying to get his footing too. Uh, the, again, with with the starting pitching the way that's going, there's not a lot of teams that are going to want to send their hitters up there against the Mariners' starting rotation and bullpen. It's definitely set this team up very nicely, especially going from that starting rotation that has been incredible, uh, really giving them every opportunity to win a lot of ball games here as of late. He is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBGustafson. Brandon, really appreciate you carving out some time to join me here on Extra Innings, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, you bet, C-Rodge, anytime. Really appreciate Brandon Gustafson joining me on Extra Innings. Still plenty to get to in tonight's show. We're only halfway done with Hour 1. Coming up to start Hour 2, we're going to be joined by the Athletics' Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Toronto Blue Jays for them. Blue Jays come to town starting tomorrow night at 7-10 over at T-Mobile Park. Big four-game series. Make sure you've got your Blue Jay repellent because... Uh, those fans can get a little rowdy. We'll talk about that with her as well as just this Blue Jays team, how they've gotten to where they are currently in the American League wildcard standings. But up next, just as he does every single Wednesday, Jeff Passan, he joined Mike Salk. We'll take a listen to that conversation and what Passan had to say. One of the best insiders in the business. Coming your way next on Extra Innings, you are listening to Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. That's right, this is Extra Innings. Make sure you're downloading the Extra Innings podcast at seattlesports.com. Every hour of every show is going to be available at your fingertips on seattlesports.com. You can also download it Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Every hour of every show right there at seattlesports.com. But coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, not only will we hear from the Athletics' Caitlin McGrath, we'll also hear from the Athletics' Jason Stark, one of the best insiders in all of Major League Baseball. But speaking of great insiders, Jeff Passan, as he does every single week here on Seattle Sports Station, he stops by the Mike Salk show to give his insight, to give his takes on just about everything going on with the Mariners and going on in Major League Baseball what does he think the Mariners need to do in order to build off of this run that they're on, having won 12 of 15 
Obviously, there are guys that can get healthy, but could they dip into the trade market? And if so, who are some names that the Mariners could have interest in? Well, let's take a listen to what Passon had to say. There is a trade market, and there are players out there who would seemingly fit awfully well. And I, I look at a guy like Andrew Benintendi, and frankly, I think he fits everywhere. <laughs> like you could, you could see him playing left field for the Yankees. You could see him playing left field for the Blue Jays, and you could see him playing left field as well for the for the Seattle Mariners. It's just a you know, what he is is a guy who doesn't strike out much, who uh, gets on base, and who hits over 300. There are not a lot of guys like that these days. He plays plus defense. And when you have Julio Rodriguez roaming everywhere in center field right now, having good guys in the corners, I think, would would put them in an awfully nice position. And if Hanniger is back um, and, and if Lewis is back, maybe that mitigates the need for a guy like Benintendi. But if from the Mariners right now, I just want offense. I want I want a professional at bat in my lineup. And I don't know that they're going to go out and, and do what it takes to get Wilson Contreras. Frankly, I don't think they're going to even do what it takes necessarily to go and get Benintendi. This what does it take? Just be, what does it take um, to get Benintendi? Um, he's a rental so I don't think it's going to be like a Noel V. Marte type. I don't think it's going to be Matt Brash. But when you have as many teams as you do in there, there's got to be a differentiator at some point. And if I'm the Royals, I'm just looking to get the single best talent I can yeah. and, and not try and make this a, a package of you know four guys who might be. I want one guy who is. The, the Royals make me nervous just because of you know the information we got last year when they were dangling, um, uh, what's his name, the second baseman, Merrifield, uh, that yep. they were asking for top tier. I mean, they were asking for Kelnick or Julio kind of prospects. For him. So so it, it's hard for me to imagine that they're an easy team to negotiate with. Yeah, I mean, look, they did pull off a trade for Carlos Santana, did yep, they not? That's true. That's true. Clean, I, I think... clean, up, clean up hitter, Carlos Santana. <laughs> it's kind of the spot we're in right now. You mentioned Julio, Jeff. Is he an all-star? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I don't think he's an all-star either just because he's a, a young talent who should be built and propped up and, and put in this marquee game. He's an all-star because he's been one of the five best outfielders in the American league this year. Like that, that's just fact. That's just numbers. And the idea that he's doing it at 21 years old, it just makes the story even better, but the power, the speed, the defense, he's just such a more complete player than I thought he was going to be. And that, that's been the wonder of him. I, I saw Julio Rodriguez as just a big power-hitting beast. He is so much more than that, though. And it, it's been one of the pleasant surprises of, of the 2022 season. I, I, it's not that I didn't think he was going to be successful. It's that I didn't realize he was going to be successful at as many things as he is. Yeah, I, I think you're not alone in that, and I think uh, Mariner fans have certainly discovered that as well. I, I wonder how long do you think he can keep running like that? You know, at some point, you know, we've seen the guys who do that earlier in their career. Vlad kind of jumps to mind, and a few others. Vlad Senior, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, how how long do you think he can do this? I mean, the, this year, next year, year after, maybe year after that. 
you know, Trout Trout is another guy yep. like that, actually. Uh, Mike Trout doesn't have a single stolen base. Or, yeah, doesn't have a single stolen base this season. Um, and, and remember, there's a guy who has truly elite speed. So I think I think running is quite often a function of what your team looks like. Now, you may have that elite speed and just run and steal bases because you can, but it also is uh, is a value proposition for, okay, these extra bases that I'm getting, uh, are they worth me potentially getting hurt running or mm-hmm. tweaking a hamstring or breaking a finger or something like that? Um, it, you know, Right now, for Julio Rodriguez, the, the Mariners need everything he can provide. And what he's providing so far is uh, just about as good of an all-around game as, as we've seen. I mean, this is – like, Mike, I, I, I think people, even in Seattle, may not recognize just how productive he's been this year. We're halfway through the season right now. He's played 82 games. And he's got three wins above replacement. A, a six-war season, if we extrapolate this over the rest of the year, a six-war season um, is like MVP caliber stuff. Yes. And for him and for him to be doing that at 21 years old, my goodness, it's, it's scary to think what he's going to be when he really gets going. So you say uh, three wins. I was looking at baseball reference. They have him at three and a half. At a three and a yeah, half war. I mean, the, yeah, Fangraphs is at two point nine. Okay. Baseball references, I think, is three, 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 three. Last I checked, it may be three five right now, and that, you know, that goes up and down. But uh, fine, six to seven wins. It's unbelievable. If you want to be, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's pretty awesome, especially so- especially because I, I think Mariners fans. Scarred though they may be from life, from the last 20 years, from uh, so many things that have happened, and not in a great way to the franchise, and, and scarred, honestly, by Jared Kelnick, who, when he came up, was supposed to be what Julio Rodriguez is right now. And I think their expectations, accordingly, uh, for Rodriguez have been tempered at least a little bit by the wounds of their past and for him to come out and not just exceed what, what the expectations were for, for Kelnick, um, but to, to make himself an all-star instantaneously. Um, it's the, it's the 95th to 98th percentile outcome. Like you can't envision a much better start. Maybe you got a better April, but, Hell, considering the way May and June and, and the beginning of July have gone, I'll take that April if I get the rest of it. He's really fun. I'm not going to lie. And and people should know that when I first asked Jeff if he would come on with us every week like this, I asked him because of who I was like, hey, Julio's really good. Will you come on and talk to him? Yeah. And Jeff's yeah. like, well, I love Julio. So, yes, honestly, I mean, I feel like that's the only reason you're even doing this with me every week. I mean, I do it because I like you. Right. But. You know, like if you want to if you want to give your credit to Julio, uh, by all means. I mean, he doesn't have enough already. He needs your credit now, too. So he goes to the All-Star game. Ty France is an All-Star, I assume. And Logan Gilbert is an All-Star. I do not have Gilbert on the All-Star. team. Really? Yeah. 
It seems like he should be an all-star. He's been pretty good. Is this just because they're the Mariners? uh, No, it's not because they're the Mariners. It's because the American League, um, it it has quite a few pitchers who have been, if not as good, then better. And it has a number of teams that need pitchers to be on there. So it's just a matter of being squeezed in the roster spots. I mean, so I... Uh, the, the, tell me who you would put him on instead of Shane McClanahan. He's been pretty good. Justin Verlander. Yeah, I don't think I could say that. Alec Manoa. Okay. Martin Perez is Texas's guy. Right. Tariq Skubal is Detroit's guy. Uh, Dylan Cease. Okay. Yeah, I think the problem you run into, and now, now what may work out in his favor is a lot of guys get added right and then they get taken off because of Correct. injury, et cetera. And, and, and so, yeah. Okay, so I, what I'm talking is just the first right. iteration first of, yes, um, if, let's put it this way, I have a list of snubs. Um, and Logan Gilbert is second behind Framber Valdez. <laughs> and I also, I also don't have Garrett Cole on there. So, I mean, there are a lot of good pitchers in the American League this year. And uh, it, let's put it this way. Uh, if Logan Gilbert made the all-star team, um, it is absolutely warranted and makes perfect sense. Um, but if he doesn't, I because of the guys who have to be on there and the guys who are ahead of him, I don't think it's like a Travis Shamockery. Well, there's only so much Logan Gilbert can do to make sure that he gets to the All-Star game in Los Angeles in a couple weeks. But there's something you can do for Mariners first baseman Ty France. Be sure to cast your vote to send France to the 2022 All-Star game. Ty is one of two finalists for the American League starting first baseman job. He's up against Toronto's Vlad Guerrero Jr. You can vote once per day at MLB.com slash vote. All you got to do is provide an email address, and you can cast your vote for Ty France. Make sure you're setting a reminder in your phone your computer, wherever it is, you see your reminders. Make sure you're doing that every single day. Voting is open until July 8th, so you have a couple more days to do so. It closes at 11 a.m. on Friday, so you've got a couple more opportunities to cast votes for Ty France. Make sure you are doing so over the next 48 hours or so. But up next, here on Extra Innings, Pete Woodworth had a chance to stop by. Mariners pitching coach Pete Woodworth had a chance to stop by yesterday with Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith. What did he have to say about this pitching staff that has turned it completely around over the last month or so, especially the starting rotation that has been lights out? What did Pete have to say? Well, let's take a listen next. That's coming your way right here on Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Curtis Rogers with you until 9 o'clock here on Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network, Extra Innings, as we do every single Mariners off day. And one of the great things about the run that the Mariners are on is the starting pitching and really the bullpen, too. It all has just led to a Mariners team that feels like every game they have a chance of winning. And at the heart of it is pitching coach Pete Woodworth and his work that he's done with every single arm in that pitching staff and in that rotation. What has he seen from the starters that has allowed them to have this kind of run of success? Well, let's take a listen to what he told our very own Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith earlier this week. This last stretch, we saw George Kirby turn in an impressive outing. Robbie Ray, then not necessarily one-up him, but match that. And then Chris Flexen yesterday. Is that kind of the bond 
among this rotation that they are trying to build off each other and make each other better? Yeah, it is a an, an interesting group that uh, obviously Kirby didn't didn't start the year with us, um, but as, as soon as that kid showed up, like he initially just gelled with the rest of the four guys. He's obviously had some history with Logan in the past, um, but this past month, this past six weeks, uh, I don't think those guys are just kind of feeding off each other or competing off each other. Starts trying to to one up the next guy, trying to you know see who can do this better, and they're they're actually developing off each other as well. Like they're they're <laughs> they're not taking pitches from each other, but um, you know, they're, they're, they're making adjustments following, you know, mistakes that other guys have made or adjustments that other guys are made. They're, uh, they're trying some new pitches. They're, they're, they're all evolving really at the same time. Um, so it's, it's been really exciting to be a part of just to have a front row seat, but, um, to, to kind of see how these five different guys who go about it completely different have, obviously come from from different paths but right now are just all in sync uh and and working and developing together yeah Pete, you talk about having a front row seat and i think there's so much more that goes into your your job and and your relationship with these guys i tell people this all the time you know how important it is when you're a young pitcher or, or a veteran guy like robbie ray having a pitching coach that you can bounce things off and go through that that process in between starts with i want to ask you george kirby has a rough one against the Baltimore Orioles. Right? He's a young pitcher, and you're still, I'm sure you're still kind of trying to get to know him on a personal level as well. But what's the process like when he has a rough one like he did against the Orioles and then bounces back? The, in between, the days in between those starts, what's kind of the process with you and him to, to get him back to find the things that he needs to do to, to be successful? Uh, that was an interesting one because, uh, you know, George, he – he kind of did what, what he's been doing in that start versus Baltimore. Um, you know, he got ahead. He threw a ton of strikes. Um, he threw all four. Like, he was doing the same process that he has been. Um, they just they hit him that day. Uh, and, and that happens, you know. Um, sometimes you catch a team at the right time or the wrong time. Um, sometimes you catch a, a pitcher at the wrong time. But uh, – the, the process of how he actually pitched that game was was pretty good. So there wasn't a lot of panic. There wasn't a lot of, uh, what do we got to adjust? What do we got to change? Um, you know, it's really the first time he'd been hit hard. Um, it, it was kind of impressive. He was like, hey, I, I got ahead. I threw strikes. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Like, I, I don't. I'm not going to panic. Um, the, the Orioles, super aggressive team. Um, and, you know, Kirby throws a ton of strikes, and, and they probably knew that. So, you know, it was kind of the, the perfect storm of an aggressive lineup that chases a ton with a guy that throws a lot of pitches in the zone. Um, so he worked a little bit on, on executing his two-strike locations with all four pitches, um, expanding the zone for – for guys and teams that he needs to do that, you know, learning how to throw good balls um, instead of just strike after strike. Uh, and he ran that out this, this past start and obviously, you know, punched a ton of tickets. Um, but 
really continued getting ahead and, and doing the executing the process that is George Kirby and that will make him successful. He didn't really uh, stray too far from. Hey Pete, what are you learning kind of about yourself as a coach? When to kind of press with these guys? When to let them figure stuff out uh, on their own? Because a handful of guys, especially in the rotation, are new here or relatively new. I mean, this is just the first full season for Logan Gilbert. George Kirby, still very new to Major League Baseball, and obviously year one here for Robbie Ray. So as a coach in dealing with different personalities, have you had to kind of adjust or assess how you work with each guy? For sure. That's a great question. Um, yeah, like uh, they're, they're all at different stages of their career. They're all at, at, at different parts. Um, and I probably lean more on the side of, of letting guys figure it out. Um, instead of, you know, pushing or, or shoving things down their throat. Um, like, it's, it's five different guys that, that kind of have five different coaching styles. Um, so, yeah, you're, you are constantly learning and evolving. But like I said, these, all these guys are, are hungry to get better. Um, you know, the, the Robbie Ray one, you kind of you let the Cy Young come in and, and do his thing. Um, you're not really jumping all over that guy, but uh, I've I've been pleasantly surprised at how much he wants to get better, how much he's willing to to be open to making uh, an adjustment. I mean, the guy pulled a two seamer out of his back pocket a couple weeks ago, um, and and like I said, that's kind of trickled throughout the entire rotation. Um, Guys are, are seeing success that guys have, kind of making an adjustment here, adding a pitch here, trying something new in the bullpen here, um, all, all sorts of things. So uh, they, as they are kind of coming together, they do have their own unique style that um, even being with Marco and Logan for the past, you know, three years, uh, you're, you're still learning and adjusting to, to what those guys need on a day-to-day basis. Pete, we're going to talk to Chris Flexen later on in the show, and and I'm excited to talk to him because you don't quite. He's kind of you know keeps his answers you know to the point in the post game. He doesn't really dive in a whole lot, but as a pitching coach, watching him, you know nothing really stands out. If you're sitting at home watching, and you're like, well, he doesn't throw a hundred. He doesn't do this. Doesn't do that. what makes him? What separates him in your opinion? What does he do at an elite level to get him the consistency that he has? Especially what we saw yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was a, a really good one. Kind of the uh, the, the pinnacle of, of the flexing that we saw uh, in twenty one. Um, yeah, you're right. Flexing doesn't he doesn't have overpowering stuff. Um, but what makes flexing special is that he does the little things right. Um, all the small things like getting ahead. Um, he throws four and now five pitches for strikes. Um, you know you you put those two together and you pitch in good counts constantly with five different pitches from, you know, kind of a, a unique relief profile. Um, it, it doesn't matter what's coming out of the hand, what the stuff looks like. If you're in good counts and you're doing that with multiple options, um, you know, that's just, that's pitching. That's, that's keeping hitters off balance. That's being able to, to maneuver a lineup three times, um, that, that that is the the basis of, of pitching, and that's that's what Flexen's really good at. And um, 
I don't mean this as a knock to him, but like he's had to do that his whole life. Um, he hasn't really been able to just out stuff guys. Um, so like him and Marco have, have learned to pitch from a young age um, and are very talented in that, that, uh, that skill set, um, which a lot of young guys don't have. Um, and I, I think we saw that yesterday. You had a little bit, a little bit more uh, fastball velo, a little bit more stuff yesterday from flex. Um, and you put that on top of, of his ability to pitch and, you know, him and Marco are, are one of the best at being able to, um, to execute with runners in scoring position. When, when, they're, uh, when there's a pitch that needs to be made, those guys are pretty stinking good at not trying to do too much, not trying to overpower guys, just knowing like, hey, I'm one pitch away. Like, I have this cutter. I have this changeup. All I need to do is execute this pitch, get a ground ball here. Um, they've, they've shown that, and, and Flexen definitely showed that yesterday, uh, just the ability to pitch. Really good stuff from Pete Woodworth, also from our very own Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith, who, by the way, Ryan now joins Bump and Stacy every single Thursday at 11 a.m. Make sure you are not missing that appointment radio. Set in your calendar. A lot of reminders I've sent your way tonight. There's no excuse for you to not remember every single one of them. But coming up in the next hour, Caitlin McGrath of The Athletics. She will join me to discuss this Blue Jays team that comes to T-Mobile Park. And, yes, even those rowdy, pesky Blue Jays fans who somehow make their way down to Seattle. More to come on Extra Innings. Hour 2 comes your way next on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.